say, you can read game text. I think it's interesting. I like reading the flavor text of Magic oh, cards. There's, there's some fucking excellent flavor text in these recent sets. Like, uh, the, uh, the current storyline involves uh, an invasion of every plane by uh, the forces of Phyrexia. All planes at once. So it's, oh, God damn it! it's another multiverse narrative. Oh, yeah, that's <laughs> all we get. Endless... That's all we're allowed anymore. Yeah, F fuck you. you, you're getting everything. <laughs> yeah. Can we have a specific thing? No, you're getting all things at all the times. <laughs> yeah, full maximalism. It's almost like um oh what is hyperrealism? Is that yeah. is that a, that's like like completely a thing that's happening all mm -hmm. the time. You just can't escape it. It's everywhere. Everything what was it? Everything everywhere all at once. Yeah, that movie that uh, people have polarized opinions on, but was very ultimately very successful. Shit. Yeah, it's multiverse. All the fucking Marvel shit, all the DC shit. It's this endless present, you know, and there is no future. There is no past, Ooh. just an endless present. Which oh, is, that said uh, chills down my spine as a student of history. That, nothing, nothing can go wrong if yeah. you're simply enraptured entirely by the moment in which you live. Look, if you're unmoored from history, that's fine. You're not doomed to repeat <laughs> that stuff. No. If you're lucky. No one's ever repeated history before. No, nobody's ever for the last um, uh, two decades shared memes about how, no, really, this is actually how fascism gets gets rolling. Guys, wow. this is honestly how this works. Well, you know, we'll see. We'll see about the, what are your odds on fascism? What's your over-under <laughs> on fascism taking control? You got uh, three, to sure. one, three to one on fascism? Three, three to one on fascism. Uh, I am very, I'm, I'm legitimately looking into moving to Germany for the irony of escaping fascism. I'm moving <laughs> to Germany. Uh, but then you'll be subject to the EU's fascism. Oh, oh no. Oh, no. Nah, you'll, be have, you'll have a nice time. You'll just be going on trains everywhere. Yeah, fascism that provides me public transit and, uh, and health care. I don't know. It could go back at any moment. You don't know. It'd be funny if you That's move true. there and then the Germans just snap, you know? Nein! <laughs> no! We, we shall unleash the beast again. It has been 70 years, but now it is time again. We must return to our cycle, you know? Because yeah. history oh, repeats. Oh, you, keep, you keep trying to move to escape fascism in each country. The dominoes keep falling. You just get there when fascism arrives. I finally, I'm like, I'm living in Madagascar and the lemurs are all fucking coming yeah. after me, trying to uh, put yeah. me in a camp. The goddamn, <laughs> the goddamn brown shirt lemurs all over the place. <laughs> they don't talk about that in that CGI children's movie where the lemurs are played by Sasha Baron Cohen. Oh, I didn't know that was Sasha Baron Cohen. One of them, Sasha Baron Cohen. I don't know, but I, I haven't seen that's that's a that's an animated movie franchise that has completely escaped yeah. my. Uh, I, I tapped out of animated movie franchises after that. You know, I was, yeah. uh, even as a cartoon lover, I think the last cartoon I saw, which sort of, uh, soured me, a, a mainstream movie animation was the Space Jam, <laughs> the new Space the Jam new one. with LeBron James, uh, which was also yeah. a multiverse thing. It was another Fuck. fucking multiverse thing. <laughs> See, I think that that there can be a film in which don Cheadle is a principal character that i'm not, have no interest in seeing mm -hmm. that's that speaks very ill of that film i think I uh you'll no see don Cheadle in anything 
I would, yeah, I would see Don Cheadle in a remake. Of, uh, I was gonna say something horrible like uh, uh, Triumph of Nations or whatever the fuck that thing. Was oh called. no, 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 no! <laughs> that wouldn't that wouldn't be good. Don Cheadle wouldn't be well suited to that. <laughs> I, it would be uh, funny if they did try to make like a woke Triumph of Will in order to, <laughs> you know, to take it back. You know, like yeah, Mel exactly. Reclaiming, you know, we'll make like a gag. <laughs> A gag version of Triumph of Will. We'll call it Triumph oh of God. Bill, and it will be about <laughs> a guy named Bill. It's about uh, uh, Bill Watterson. Yeah, I'm sure he would love that. I'm sure he would love being a, He seems like he doesn't have any hard-bitten convictions or anything like that. <laughs> uh, Magic the Gatherer. Oh, so Phyrexia. Yeah. Phyrexia has yeah, the uh, once again. The, uh, the perennial antagonist plane. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, is is back again, invading all planes at once using uh, the stolen seeds of the world tree from the Kaldheim set. Uh, it's, uh, you know, just invading. They used a tree somehow. I don't actually read any of the fucking lore. I just, like, get it from the cards. Yeah, it just pieces so together from the flavor text. Yeah, there's World Breaker, the, uh, the invasion tree. That's out World there. Breaker, the invasion tree. Like, it's a yeah. tree that's smart and, and punches people. Well, I think, I think it grew, they grew it into each of these planes. Okay. That's how they did it. They, like, I see. they somehow grew it extra plainerly. I, I so it's not like an ant. It can't get up and move and like punch no, people not to with my its tree tendrils. Unless, unless, because you know yeah. I always like punching trees or you know punching plants. You know <laughs> that was always fun as a kid. If you, you, ever, if you ever had a wooden sword, mm-hmm. ever been the recipient of a wooden sword? Yeah, I had wooden sword fights. I had, I had a friend who was very specific. You, you ever had a friend who's like way into history when they're like eight years old and they're like, oh, that was me talking I... about triremes and shit. Yeah, I worked that at was... the Renaissance Festival. Hell yeah, hell yeah. Um, <laughs> I, I had this friend who was like, and and uh, he had uh, very specific rules for sword fighting. Like we couldn't do free form sword fighting. We had to adhere to some battle code, and that sort of uh, you know that that didn't. That didn't work for me. Uh, apologies. The name of the tree is Realm Breaker. Realm Breaker. He's not a yes. world breaker. He breaks. No. He breaks realms. He breaks whole realms. He breaks not all just the world, realities. A it's a fucking yes, tree. Exactly. What if a tree was dangerous? That's the question that Magic <laughs> the Gathering wants is wants posing to. these days. Yeah. Uh, we were talking earlier about rules text and how complicated it's getting. Mm-hmm. Uh, Two colorless tap. Target opponent mills three cards. Put a land card from their graveyard onto the battlefield. Tap into your control. It gains. If this would leave the battlefield, exile it instead of putting it anywhere else. Ten tap. Sacrifice one breaker of the invasion tree. Search your library for any number of Praetor cards. Put them onto the battlefield, then shuffle. Oh, great. Another I get artifact. my Praetor cards. Get get you them get up in there. There's, there's, it's, yeah, so Byzantine. Like when I <laughs> when I was playing Magic, when I stopped doing that shit like twenty years ago, uh, it was just like trample five five. That's that's yep. your creature. That's yeah. that's it. That's all you're getting. Root breaker worm seven mana for a six six trample, and we were thankful. Yeah, yeah. We didn't have no fancy. We didn't have no death touch or life touch or or, yeah. or walk back or or uh, or sounding. You know. What if your what if your magic <laughs> the gathering creature had sounding and they had the sounding effect instead or, of banding they have sounding yeah. <laughs> instead of banding they have sounding <laughs> um, 
Yeah, so someone should uh, post. Has has there been like a sex parody Magic the Gathering? Oh, I'm confident. I am confident, especially with they. What they've started doing is they've they've emphasized planeswalkers as the as the principal characters, and there's mm -hmm. a number of them that uh, go from set to set. Magic the Gathering porn parody. Uh, I'm sure there's I'm sure there's Rule Thirty Four of that shit of because course. people will get well, sexually invested in anything. I have just found uh, uh, Naked Nerd opening up Magic the Gathering cards. Hell yeah, that sounds great. Naked, is it like depicted as sensual or he's just like a naturalist? He's, he's just, you know. just a nude gentleman wearing glasses with a scraggly mustache opening some Magic the Gathering What, is this cards. on YouTube? This is on Pornhub. Oh, it's on Pornhub. Okay, that's oh, yeah. great. That's uh, <laughs> searches related to Magic the Gathering. Juggalette. Juggalo, gathering of the juggalos. Interesting. Do you think there probably is a pretty yeah. good crossover of juggalos and Magic the Gathering? Oh my god, yeah. I think Yo, man, this brought... is like the dark carnival, but in card form. <laughs> if you brought your standard deck to the gathering of the juggalos, you would find it upon it. Oh yeah. In oh, the yeah. correct format. Magic the gathering of the juggalos, I think is the <laughs> that's the key thing. Uh I would love to be someday. I'm going to make the pilgrimage to Gathering of the Juggalos because I yeah. don't know. For some reason, my mind and Saint Clown Posse have taken on this mythical proportion of being like benevolent figures. I don't know yes. what they're. I don't know what they are actually. They're they're like Christians, but you know they have relatively progressive values. Yeah, politically they're very good. They were Bernie. A lot of uh, uh, Juggalos and the prevailing wind within that community was to support Bernie Sanders. That's a fun. Uh, so they're like. Yeah, fuck, fucking social democracy is tight, yo. Yeah, clowns for Bernie. Clowns uh, for Bernie. I, I, I would love to be. <laughs> yeah, hot, hot clowns for Bernie. Um, <laughs> I took a, um, I took a vine back when that was a thing, of me <laughs> walking past the line at a uh, insane clown posse show. Yeah, and just like my face, like look like putting on a, a look of terror and shock as I walk by and like catching the corners of people's faces as I walk by in the line. And I regret that vine. I honestly do because like, they're just idiots having a good time. Yeah. You know, it's fine. Who doesn't like putting on fright? I put on fright makeup occasionally, you know, just sure. in my house alone, you know, where, <laughs> where I go nowhere. I just, you know, I just want to feel that power, you know? Yeah. yeah. That clown power that you get. <laughs> uh, very, very enchanted with clown power. Uh, clown power, you know, that's what it's like in Dune, you know, desert power. No, it's clown power. Sure. Clown power. We what if our nation's clowns? The Quisatz Heterac was a, a jester of a sort. The Quisatz Harlequin. And, there you uh, go. There you go. The Quisatz, and he's the king of the clowns. And, you know, he spreads mirth all throughout the universe. Uh, yeah. but he, he enforces it, uh, with dictatorial, uh, aplomb and is do, then vastly hated. Do they ever at any point, does somebody have a knife between their teeth during Dune? I'm sure. I'm you sure there's I mean? a lot of knives. Between. Kind of a... It seems like there's a knife between teeth. It wouldn't, have you ever had a knife between your teeth? Uh, I mean, just a butter knife, baby. Put a little pad of butter on my. You never had a morning. big combat knife. See, that's something I would like to do before. <laughs> I've I... never had a K bar between my teeth. No. <laughs> You've never had a. <laughs> you never had a wolf thirty five hundred uh, <laughs> serrated death death ream. 
I don't know. I, what do they call them? Where the the big K-bar. technical names for K bars? Those are the name for yeah, the big K-bar. combat knives. Knife. Uh, looking. Let's look up some combat knife <laughs> reviews. Sure. Interested in some best tactical knives yeah. from 2023. I'm on, I'm on, I'm on kbarknives.com. They have their kbar state of the union knife, state and union knives. <laughs> the dog's head red spacer kbar. Wow, this looks like this looks like a fucking knife, my dude. That's you a real big knife. That's a real fucking knife. <laughs> you call that knife. a knife? This is a knife. A, this is a fucking knife. You gotta see it. Um, I'm here looking right here on GearJunkie.com. They have an article about uh, the best fixed blade tactical knife. It's the Gerber Reserve TerraCraft. <laughs> Pros, <laughs> classic blade shape, great sheath, surprisingly excellent handle. <laughs> surprisingly excellent. What kind of clearance knives do they have? This is the snotty big boss. The snotty big boss? That's <laughs> S-N-O-D-Y. K-Bar uh, teamed up with Mike Snotty, custom Mike knife maker, to produce factory knives that honor the looks and finish of Mike's custom-made pieces. I like that there are celebrities in the knife world. There are big knife, <laughs> like when they go to the knife conventions. That's well, Snotty over there. Oh, my God. <laughs> it's Mike Snotty. That's like, it's more of that atomization shit. Like, there's, there's a big, like, you can be a star of anything. <laughs> yeah, I'm there's the a star of knife guys. There's a big community for, like, um... Uh, somebody I work with is talking about getting on Foot Finder, mm-hmm. and there are definitely stars of the foot community. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> like, can you? So you're sexually aroused by feet. I understand this. That's the thing that's in the world. That's fine. I I dig it. Get after it. And then to be like, no, those feet right there on that person, those are the feet. If you're into the fetish, you have to be like discriminating to some. And it's I interesting guess. to see where where like the community converges on what the perfect foot is supposedly. You know, what is the foot beauty standard? You know, is it a smoother <laughs> foot? Do you want some like corns and roughage in there in order to you I know give it character? That's a matter of taste, I think. Uh, yeah, yeah. You <laughs> don't want to some eat gnarled more... toenails, or do you want it finely appointed? You know, I Ooh, guess. Let me get a hammer toe. You got a hammer toe. Let me get a planter's ward. You got something in a in a planter ward? You got planter fasciitis? Is our mock doesn't want to know these details? Uh, yeah, planter fasciitis. Talk about your foot turning fascist. You move to the foot, and then your foot turns fascist. It's no good. <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, oh, fuck. Uh, yeah, foot foot fetish. That's not one of mine, but you know, mine are weird enough that I can't judge. Foot seems like relatively sure. innocent, you know. Sure. Do we want to do we want to do a rundown? Do we want to? I'm oh, not gonna. No, do. I'm not gonna run down ante. my fetishes. We can ante gonna, up. I'm not gonna go through that. I'm not gonna do that shit. <laughs> uh, you you gotta guess. You have to infer from okay. my comics. All right. Okay. Know. Okay. At least yeah. one of yeah. my comics contains one of them. But you might. Okay. <laughs> they are scattered with three hundred. I don't have. So you have to guess. <laughs> which Clismophilia. You're into anima. Uh. What? You're into anima. I'm gonna guess that you're into anima. Animas. No, no, that one's uh, no. I ew, I don't even like anima in a non-sexual context. It's really never had one. It's not. They're it's so not utilitarian. If you're doing stuff back there, which uh, I you know I get. Yeah, yeah. If you're bottoming, it's, sure, but it's not like a pleasant time in the experience. backyard. Yeah, yeah it's. Do you, yeah. Are you ever like, oh, that anima was so good, <laughs> <laughs> fantastic anima I had today. Yeah, yeah. There's something that are like that though. They love that shit. It's it's a very, 
it's a very alien feeling yeah like even even uh, uh i i'm you know i'm pretty experienced <laughs> so like i'm used I'm used to the to the wrong direction, right? Like yeah. there's some people who like instantly are like, oh, it feels so weird that it's like going the other way, right? That's fine. But the fact that it's a fluid doing it does yeah. feel very yeah. good. Yeah, it's yeah, it's not that's it's what you're right. It's what an alien penis would probably feel. Like. <laughs> what i imagine it's an like, alien penis to be. Yeah, like an like they it would have like uh oh what do they what do they call that? Uh, a pseudopod. <laughs> <laughs> what? Into your, yeah, like a like a like a bacteria or something might have like a pseudopod oh, or flagella. Oh, yeah, yeah, like a like a, a, a cellular outcropping that forms yes. a gooey arm or tentacle. Yeah, a gooey phallus. Yeah, some sort of. Yeah, I, I definitely would not like to be fucked by a giant amoeba. Yeah, that no, is not you. one of my the slime fetish. That's right out. I don't Ooh. have. That I have seen some slime girls I like. Sure, but like slime think, girls are think about it really. Think about it, really. <laughs> you know. <laughs> think about the mechanics Tactily of it. You know, that's why that it could work. only live in your mind. You know, I don't think it would yeah. be ultimately. Maybe some people are into that. I don't. That's not have my you, thing. Have you ever encountered furry art that did it for you on any level? Oh yeah, for sure. Of course. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's the, the the weirdest monster girl that I ever uh, uh, found appealing. There was a leech girl. <laughs> and she had like she had like these huge gnashing jaws. Okay. And a fat dumper, and I was like, "That's all. That's doing something. So all it's, of that's getting into your something. head." Yeah, I don't know if that's furry necessarily. I guess it, it dovetails with the furry community. A leech yeah, yeah, is it's technically the, an animal. It's in the same zip code. Yeah, yeah, but yeah, I think that's uh, it's not my main thing, but you know, sure. Sure, sometimes I'll see it and you're like, yeah, it's, it's, okay. it's pretty good. That's, a, that's an attractive young vulpine creature. I'm into yeah. that, yeah, but I'm not like committed to the lifestyle, and it's not the only pornography that I consume, sure, sure. Probably, I feel like I wouldn't want to limit myself in that way, yeah, you know, yeah. There's a, whole, there's a whole world out there, there's a whole goddamn world <laughs> out there, not just. The animal-faced anthropomorphic humanoids. You see, no, I think I get. I'm, I'm, I'm gonna have. A, I've been talking about this for a while, but I have a lot of furry fans because furries are the people that like cartoons. You know, they yes. love cartoons. I so and I embrace them. You know, come, come hither. Yeah, yeah. Let's enjoy too, we, cartoons together, furries. Yeah, on our show too, we've got a a pretty big furry community in our Discord. Like, it's just like, like we have found it to be a radically accepting community. Yes. Of sex perverts that we love. Yeah. We love that. Yeah. Uh yeah, that's that's who I want to hang out with usually. You yeah. know, the people that are just very open about uh maybe because I I'm I'm relatively stayed myself. I'm relatively, yes. you know, I don't go out. I don't like to fuck, you know, but I like to live vicariously through people that do. Sure. Which is, sure. Uh, which is sort of why I like uh, being surrounded by these individuals. Yeah. But I yeah. want to hear about the munch. I don't yeah. want to go to the munch. Yeah. I, I want to, I would like to be like Andy Warhol style perched over the munch, you know, with little binoculars, <laughs> you know, watching it. But I don't, I don't want to be in the, in the, yeah, little opera glasses, you know, <laughs> watching people spin around on leather contraptions. But uh, sure. Yeah, I don't, I don't need to be in the in the heat myself. You know, I get I get very nervous in crowds. I feel I wouldn't fair. do well at an orgy. Really fair. You know, I, I have I'm the same bad thing. At a baseball game. 
I have the same thing and yet was a club DJ for a time. Sure. And so like I'd be in these rooms just full of people and I'd have to like if when, as soon as I left the stage, I was just like, oh, God. Uh, but th- <laughs> there was one time I was DJing at a BDSM event on Pride weekend for the uh, for the Midwest Leather Association, something okay. like that. And uh, I was playing my set and I kept hearing this like rhythmic sound like in rhythm with the music that I was playing, but I couldn't put my fucking finger on it. I finally go downstairs to go to the bar and get a drink and I turn around and the song I had left was still playing and they were flogging in rhythm to the music I was playing. I go, oh, of course. How did I not put that together? (laughs) That's pretty funny. It was Uh, fun. I I imagine like little guitar hero buttons started popping up on the, on the welty backs of the, of the (laughs) floggies. Yeah. You get to play the, play the track. Yeah. Play, play the sub, you know, that's uh, have you ever played a sub before? Uh, I played a game called in the hunt where it's like Gradius with submarines. (laughs) Like R type or Gradius. That's pretty good. That's pretty good. That's pretty close. But I'm I'm just picturing like a xylophone of subs now and like (laughs) whip their back and each produces a different tone going. Yes. It's like the Agonophone, another Magic the Gathering reference. It was an instrument ah. created by uh, uh, the overlord of, of the Plane of Wrath, Crovax, had created uh, a, a thing called the Agonophone. He created a sub-xylophone? Was, yeah, essentially, where it's a whole bunch of uh, creatures of various species and sizes and genders and stuff, and they were uh, hooked up in such a way that they would be stabbed with needles and produce screams of various tonalities and he would play an organ called an agonophone that's pretty cool i guess i gotta say if i was if i was a villain i would i would make my own oh i would build an agonophone yeah 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 because you know you're only gonna get it's very specific sound you know that's right you gotta be like phil specter right you know you gotta (laughs) you gotta get that big wall of screams out there (laughs) um because well we were also talking about this trend in uh pop music in general um because uh, k-pop has become very popular of course hyper pop yeah. uh is very popular this trend of maximalism yes of, of very you know big loud compressed distorted or even just like um they're rarely like and and this has been the case for a while because the loudness wars have overtaken pop yes. music but they're rare they're they're really like quiet parts to songs anymore it's just sort, right. of, sort of loud it's and all louder. the same it's all the same volume yeah. uh, and it's because it's everything everything is now produced digitally and to make things sound more mm-hmm. you just slap a fucking compressor on it and drop the threshold real low and then get it output to and then slap a limiter on it to keep it from clipping. Um, I've been doing music production for a long time and this was this is something that has actually been a concern like I remember like watching video essays of people talking about like dynamism will die. Mm-hmm. in music there will be no dynamic features to songs everything's going to be the same volume and intensity and it's going to limit the range of expression that we're able to accomplish yeah i don't know if it's going to die i think we are probably going to experience like a dynamism reaction uh, yeah. fairly soon from all this because i think we've reached peak maximalism like where do you go from 100 gex like where do you go from k-pop <laughs> that's more you know right can you right. get more than that so i i, I mean think... the answer is always noise music will save us 
Like, but there's no. going to be some... <laughs> it's never Do done that. Nobody wants to listen to noise. Nobody wants to listen to it, but uh, I feel like we should be taking cues from people being like, well, you know, these are interesting sounds. These are... This is my way of expression. It is completely alien to the way that we have produced music uh, in the past. Uh, do you remember uh, the fucking uh, KMF? No, is it KMFDM or the 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 KLA or KLF? KLF took me forever to land on it. But you remember the KLF, right? No, I don't remember the KLF. Who are the KLF? Okay, they were like they were like a really wild kind of goth uh, outfit. What was the what was their big song? KLF. The Justified Ancients of Moo Moo. They did that one. Their alternate name Bill Drummond. Yeah. Justified uh, and ancient. What time is love? Uh, last train to train. Last train to Trans Central. Which I gotta, I gotta get into that thing. But, uh, <laughs> Bill Bill Drummond uh, used to uh, do this thing where he would take a whole bunch of people with no musical training. This was after the KLF was over. He would take some folks with no musical training, and they would go to a place with really neat acoustics, and they would like do exercises to try to forget all of the music they had heard in their life they were like we're going to put this out of our minds and we are simply going to create what our conceptualization of music is without the history behind it without um all of these constraints that we've all learned because there's mainstream music education right you all you all learn uh middle c right it's all these little concepts that we have in music but yeah and Uh, and when you get inexperienced players who don't know what they're doing sometimes it creates magic like the shags or something like that yeah yeah and so he would uh take these people out to like a parking garage someplace with neat acoustics and they would just like fuck around with making noises and they'd record them they'd listen to them back and they'd go Great. Then they destroy the recording, disband, and never see each other again. It was like mm. a like a music exploration tour that he would do with people. KLF yeah. is fucking cool. Uh, Bill Drummond seems like a pretty cool guy. I wonder. If, uh, I'm gonna find out he's a sex pervert right now on Wikipedia. Uh, who knows? Yeah, I was uh, I was reading about John Peel the other day, and then I got to the middle section of his Wikipedia page and was like, Oh no, I didn't oh, know this shit. before. And now my <laughs> image of him has changed, even though I don't really have any great stock in him. I don't know if sure. there's I don't know if there's any like big disillusionment moment I've had when I found out an artist was a creep or not. Like, sure, I like dither over whether I can appreciate their stuff or not, but it's never been like a I've never had like my hero has been t- taken down, you know, in my, yeah. like, especially because all of the people who I would, you know, admire most in music generally have been thankfully untouched, you know, <laughs> thankfully. Yes. Oh, oh God, they're not a creep. I can, oh. I can enjoy this without Ooh. any sort. I don't have to think about problematic things about yeah. this artist. Um, if I have, if I ever found out that Tomas Bangalter was a sex pervert, I would lose my mind. I would lose my grip on reality, but yeah, he's beyond such, just such a recluse, French. I'll never find out. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, they have such great French names. You, we are Thomas Bangalte. I love Bangalte because it sounds like the French version of Banger. It's, uh, yeah. it's a real Bangalte. Bangalte. <laughs> I don't know. I never knew how to pronounce his name. You probably, you know. Bangalte. I'm pronouncing it Quebecois style because that's Quebecois. the only French I know how to speak. Fair. 
So they the tabernacle. That's what they taught us in school. L'école dans l'école, <laughs> les enfants, les élèves sur l'école. Tu la pompe, c'est quand on part Canada. Non, non, I'm just saying. I'm just J'ai parlé français un peu. Un peu. Un peu. Very small peu. I started. I started taking Swahili again on Duolingo. Okay. I took it. I took it in college, and I was talking to my long distance partner, and she was like, "You know, they probably have that on Duolingo. You should just like get back into it." And I've been having a good time, uh, picking up little words and phrases again in Swahili. Uh, it is wholly a personal project because I know nobody that speaks the language and will likely not run into anybody anytime soon. That was kind of the problem with it because I learned it all through college and then I just never had an opportunity to practice it. What's drawing? So it's all gone. Swahili. Uh, I was originally going to study in East Africa was my plan. I wanted okay. to like do academic work in East Africa. And then that died along with all the rest of my dreams. And so uh, I ended up not. Yeah. 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 Now I'm a podcaster. Yeah. yeah. You don't need to go to (laughs) Kenya. You can go to Chicago to learn Swahili. That's right. Yeah. You could do that. That's Uh, where they're. I'm sure there's like a heavy African. There must be some African community. You should you should go around there and say, hello, I'm a white lady. Hujambo. Hujambo. You know, they'd probably be into it, you know. Yeah. Who knows? Who knows? <laughs> you should you should endear yourself to the Swahili community of There was the there was one time a friend of mine introduced me to some uh, uh Somali folks that she knew. Mm-hmm. And Somali is a similar enough language. It's sort of, it's a it's not exactly Spanish and Portuguese, but it's, you know, they share shared vocabulary. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so uh she she mentioned Oh yeah, Audrey uh, took Swahili in college, and I went ki Swahili nyingi, which means I have forgotten a lot of Swahili. Mm-hmm. And she just looked at me and, in very plain English, looked at me and said, "Why? <laughs> what are you like, gonna do with this? No, it's good. You should yeah. learn languages just to learn them because they're uh, yeah. Your mind literally expands because you have new words yeah. to describe something. Absolutely." Uh, one of my favorite things uh, to to say that you have a headache, you would say no umwa which means my head is biting me. <laughs> and then you learn great idioms as yeah, well because idioms rocks. don't translate that well. So yeah. Oh my god. I love god. that shit. Uh, I should. I I get impatient with any new language. I can't do Duolingo and stuff like that. I'd, people people should just learn English. Is my my feeling you know i it's the one that i speak already it would just be easy right well a lot of folks do and a lot of folks you know do learn the language that's what's really great about speaking english is that you basically have to speak it everywhere exactly uh a dutch guy and a japanese guy meet in france and speak english to each other you know yeah i can go to cutter and get along perfectly well because everybody speaks english there yeah yeah and that, in fact, I plan to go to Qatar, and I plan to frequent their many gay bars I've heard they have there. Many great <laughs> gay bars I've heard they have in Qatar. Uh, yeah. I'm sure there is, though. That must be crazy to find, like, but I'm sure they're reticent to talk about it to any sort of Western right. media figures like right. Vice. Vice. <laughs> Even though they're Which, folded now, they're done. They're over. Yeah, today I read that they, they filed Chapter 11 bankruptcy. Boom. Gavin McInnes' dream. Down the toilet. <laughs> dead yeah i used to love vice actually like i used to read um do's and don'ts like i used to be real into that fucking magazine 
That was Gavin McInnes's, uh That was his column. Was it? Okay. One of his. I guess he he contributed. I don't know if he was reading the issues you were doing, but you know, Gavin McInnes, uh, uh before he went fully right wing, he's he's funny. You know that that's yeah. the thing is like people. You can be funny and still be evil. That's yeah. <laughs> that's like a problem people have. I've I've noticed that people think that funny just because you're funny you're good, or just because you're evil you can't be funny. No, funny right. is like a neutral thing. It is not morally one way or the other. You right. know, it is a reaction to something unexpected. Donald Trump is like low key actually very funny. Yeah, he's very un- intentionally and unintentionally the funniest yes. president of all time. Absolutely, Bing, 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 Bing. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. He, know, he knows what he's doing. He knows yeah. how to tell a joke. He learned that much. Yeah. Or even and if not tell a joke, just say things in a very peculiar way that makes your brain uh, surprised, you know, in that yeah, way you, that humor makes you surprised. You, There is not an American alive during that administration who will not, when you hear the word China, yeah, you will hear it a certain way because of yeah. Donald Trump. I, I can't say I say bye bye now. Bye bye. <laughs> I can only say it like that now. It's it's infected my brain. Um, he just oh, has that folks, 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 folks. You got to go up and say folks. 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 Uh, <laughs> yeah, he's he's great. He's like a primetime glick, but also <laughs> a weird conservative. Never heard that. No, but he does the same thing. But he goes really high, and then he goes really low. He goes really low. Not not as exaggerated, but he sort of has that same sort of sweaty quality as well. Yeah, that red sweaty quality is prime time glick. Damn. Um, I haven't. People always say that he's on drugs or that he that he drinks or whatever. That like there's a tendency to say that. My understanding is that it's cold medicine. Is this thing? He just eats cold medicine constantly. He's he's on the the bennies. He's on Benadryls. No, that's allergy medicine. What's cold medicine? medicine. NyQuil. Is like, he uh, is he robo tripping? He could be. It's not. I don't think it's DXM. It's um, uh, the upper version, like the really the very fake meth. Uh, I the ve- the very fake meth. This is one of your lesser fake meths. Yes, exactly. This is a really this is fake meth. This fake is the K two of meths. Phenylephrine, I think it is. Interesting. I've I've heard he rails Adderall. I've heard Adderall is his thing. Interesting. That could be. It's some kind of upper. It's like yeah, because some kind of, of prescription upper. To be of his age and physicality and to be as energetic as he is. Mm-hmm. I'm thinking phenylephrine yeah. or or maybe Adderall. Yeah. You're on that juice. Where he's handling the shortage. <laughs> You're on that blitz. Yeah, he's it's it's entirely going up Trump's nose all the Adderall. <laughs> uh he's got to keep going. He's got to yeah. keep going. And yeah. Uh, I yeah, I have not been following the race between him and DeSantis at all. Apparently, DeSantis is kind of dead on arrival. I don't think anything's yeah. going to happen there. Yeah, he's uh, the most generic person, the most generically faced person. Like, I can't keep the image of his face I'm, in my head. I don't I don't remember what he looks like at all. I know he, look, I know he looks pictures. like a less memorable version of Tucker Carlson. Which is uh, ooh, that's a pretty good comparison, I think. I'm gonna not very interesting I'm look. I'm not very, look at but long. also, you know, he's. Uh, I th- I think his policies that he's enacting in Florida are, are too extreme for a lot of Americans. There's a reaction yeah. against him for that. The thing about Trump, which was weird, is that he was nominally 
obviously he wasn't in practice, but he he there were a lot of a lot of hay made when he was coming up in 2016 about how he 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 had a rainbow flag one time. He held up a rainbow flag. Sure. He was not expressly anti-gay. Yeah, he would say things like, of course, of course, gay people, they're here, they're Americans, right? Uh, And then eventually that kind of falls away and they just sort of by omission, they start to to fill in that like the anti-gay stuff. And then like, but Trump loves gay people, though. He loves his favorite music is Elton John and the village people. Like uh, it's we were we were talking at work the other day about um, they play YMCA at Trump rallies. Yeah, a song like about meeting this... adolescent homosexuals in a public gymnasium. <laughs> yes, exactly. Yeah, uh, I I saw a video of Terrence K. Williams celebrating at Mar-a-Lago when Trump <laughs> announced his pre- his uh, run for presidency, the most recent one, uh, and they're dancing to YMCA. Very funny, and it's just. They, they, it's just flies right past them. They have no concept of it. Like, I don't, I don't know. They have yeah, to know that fun you have to know that the, that the village people are gay. Well, for, do they not know that the village, village people are gay? There's uh, a straight guy in the village people. The allegedly the cop was straight. The lead singer was straight. <laughs> uh, he, he always insisted he was straight, but everyone was like, mm, I don't know. You're in. The village people. <laughs> yeah, it's a little hard to get a... <laughs> that. That is a funny concept. I'm the one straight guy in the village people, and everyone <laughs> the, thinks I'm gay. I'm the lone holdout. All the, yeah, all the pussy from the from all the groupies <laughs> for the for the village people. Yeah, we're getting to tons cop. of pussy over here. <laughs> uh, I, actually, I'm sure they probably because it was the 70s and everybody was bisexual then. You know, right? Uh, cocaine made everyone bisexual. Mm-hmm. That's why uh, we need to bring it back. And bring it back, baby. <laughs> yeah, cut out all the fentanyl and bring in those perfect bisexual cocaine vibes. <laughs> then now no one will mock us bisexuals. Now people will take us seriously. Yes, now. Uh, yeah, it's it's funny being bisexual because, of course, you're the worst. You know, <laughs> no, nobody likes <laughs> yeah. you. You know, yeah. fuck you. You know, you can always That's choose to be life. the normative thing, you know, so. Yeah. Fuck off. Fuck off. I want to I want it all. I want yeah. everything. I want to keep my options open here. And it's I didn't I didn't choose this. I just looked at a wiener and was like, OK, that, too. Yeah. You know, it's funny that people hate you because of like the abstract moral idea that you're indecisive. Oh, you're, you're indecisive. <laughs> Make a choice. God you have to know. Yeah. Like, I don't know. Porky Nellis does. It's one of one or the other. Yeah. yeah. But uh, also, you know, um, I do think that there are a certain group of vocal online bisexuals who do make a lot of hay about, I am oppressed because not even the sure. gay community loves me because I, you know, once once slept with someone of the opposite sex and now everyone's saying I'm not a gold star gay. And it's very hurtful. Right. It's a, yeah, there's yeah. a certain like people that will try and leverage their bisexuality for some mm-hmm. sort of uh, story about themselves. But, you know, it's. It's not that bad, you know. Yeah, it's as as far as as that leverage goes. I think that that is one of the, of course, as a bisexual who has uh, done that very thing that you're describing. I'm going yeah. to try to hate it, <laughs> defend it a little bit. Um, good there, you know. This this is all we have, really, is who we are anymore. Do you know what yeah, I mean? Yeah, yeah, like as individuals mean, yeah. in this atomized society, all you have is who and what you are. Yeah. 
like I am I am a retail worker. I am bisexual. I am transgender. I am these things that uh, sort of define me in opposition to all other things around me because mm-hmm. I can't I can I wield no power. Uh, I can affect very little change in the world around me. And so all I have is what I am. And like you try to leverage that as best you can, you know? Yeah, yeah. I think to some degree, I I definitely uh, try and use aspects of what I am or what I think I am to uh, maybe not. Leverage might be a little too much of a transactional word. But, you know, Mm. in order to interact with the world around me, you put on the bisexual goggles, you know, and it's like, how how am I seeing this from a bisexual lens? Or is this this affecting me my capacity as a bisexual person? Yeah. It's what just they... also, yeah, it's a funny sounding identity because it sounds like bicycle as well. <laughs> what did they call it the other? I was listening to something the other day and they were talking about the oppression stack. I might, I might not be remembering that oppression correctly. Oppression stack? The idea that in, in a room full of people, you defer to the person with kind of with the most oppression points. <laughs> and I their think opinion. in some spaces. Maybe I yeah. guess in like in in right wing spaces, you know, they'll defer to the veteran who's missing like a few legs or something like that. Sure, a few legs. Yeah, he's got a few <laughs> legs missing. He's got more than two. He's got more, more than, than two, two legs, legs missing. missing. Yeah. Yeah. Um. Yeah. I. Yeah. I'm sure that that plays out. I don't know if it's. Uh, I was thinking the other day about the weirdest episode of The Proud Family. It just came back into, mm. you know when you like remember something you watched as a, as a kid and it like comes back into your head like a lightning bolt of like, that was really weird. Why did that, Hold on. Why did that yeah. happen? So there was this Proud Family episode, oh, uh, which I, I watched as a kid. Uh, you know, it's uh, it was on the air. It had pretty good give, give me the elevator pitch for it. I don't remember The Proud um, Family. So in this episode, Shia LaBeouf plays a disabled kid. Sure. who leverages his disability in order to get Penny to date him. But he's a huge jerk. And like <laughs> the lesson of the episode is that sometimes disabled people can be jerks or, you know, you don't this... necessarily judge a person by, by their uh, oppression category or something like that. Yeah. Which on one hand is like, I guess it's kind of, it's a good lesson, but it's just, it seems so weird, especially because, you know, just with all this extra context about Shia LaBeouf, the fact that it's him playing the right. the problematic wheelchair boy is. <laughs> <laughs> Did we find the episode title? Problematic wheelchair boy. I don't. I don't know. I, I'll look up Shia. I'll look up Shia LaBeouf. Uh, proud family. I'm sure that will give it up. <laughs> I mean, that is genuinely a valuable lesson. It's like when uh, when you figure out that Caitlyn Jenner sucks. <laughs> you're yeah, like, wow, yeah. so a trans woman can be kind of a real piece of shit. Nah. Uh. I don't know the name of the episode. I think it's called I Love You, Penny. Yeah, because he declares mm. his love for her creepily in the episode as well. The character's Damn. got a really funny design. The character's name is Johnny McBride. And he's <laughs> Johnny McBride is the main antagonist in the Proud Family episode. <laughs> <laughs> got it. Uh, is it is it discovered because the name Johnny McBride makes me think that maybe he was injured in a in a in a high speed accident of some kind. You know what I'm saying? Like he was he was doing like downhill racing of some kind and was injured. And this is what led to his disability. So the Disney wiki has a pretty good entry on this. Um, But I'll just go to the section in the trivia. It has because every episode of the Proud Family had a moral and it actually Mm -hmm. has the morals listed out and has the morals and bullet points, which are 
dot people are not always who they seem dot don't assume that all disabled people are going to be nice people some of them can be jerks just like able people which is true but is this it's, like yeah. the major lesson that kids need to be learned do we need that now be careful <laughs> devoted a whole half an hour did did like this happen to one of the animators that they they dated a disabled <laughs> person who was a real jerk once <laughs> Um, and, uh, and another good lesson from the, so just because someone tells you, I love you does not give them the free range to behave badly or walk all over you, which I think very is big, the very big advice, but yeah, uh, yeah, I remember that. And I think, you know, I'm probably remembering it as more, I think it does handle it with some nuance or as much nuance as you could expect the, uh, a cartoon the Disney channel, the Disney yeah. channel cartoon, uh, yeah, but uh, I I haven't I haven't dipped into any other proud family lore beyond that. They have a news series out that you know, I, don't, I don't care about. I'm not I'm not 13 anymore. <laughs> but as I was a, way as too a... old to be watching that thing. I'm 13. I should have been watching Scorsese movies by that time. <laughs> I was thinking about that. Um, I was exposed pbs was like a big part of my of my youth and so i uh uh very young would watch barney right yeah but i get home from school and i put on pbs and what would be on still barney and mm -hmm. i'd be like seven or eight years old sitting there like this fucking sucks but it's what's on you know what i mean you know the yeah. thing where you get trapped on like what's on the channel you like yeah. Well, that doesn't happen to people now. They don't they will no. never know the experience of being forced to get through Barney in order to watch the more, you know, the more mature cartoons. The the uh, uh, what else the was Dragon that? Tales? Yeah, the Dragon uh... Tales, you know, the real pithy stuff, you know, that was meant for, <laughs> meant for people with a little more know how than this, you know, the yeah. sharing crap. I want to see they a breathe story. fire. Yeah. Barney doesn't breathe fire. He doesn't kill anybody. Barney isn't capable of killing anybody. I think if Barney had to, Barney could kill. Barney could kill. Um, he's got that soft body, though. I don't know. I guess it's like he's got hey. that hard interior. I got a soft body, and I'm prepared hey. to. Take <laughs> yeah, life. you can. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> but he, it feels love... like if Barney were real, he would be just foam all the way through. Or maybe he does have an organ mm. system. Maybe he is. He would like blow it. away if he was foam all the way through. Is this the light true. breeze would come and and carry him into the sky? Yeah. I guess in this scenario, he's a real dinosaur. He's built like a dinosaur. He's flesh and blood. You know, he's got. That's a neat insult. Yeah. You're built like a dinosaur. You're built like a fucking dinosaur. Oh. <laughs> Put oh, that you're on built like insults. a goddamn dinosaur. Um, we need to bring back Brick Shithouse, I think. I like being. Brick uh, Shithouse is strong. See, where I'm from, in Midhouse, mid, mid house, Midwest, yeah. Brick Shithouse. Still, still a real thing. We, See, we do this, say this. That's why it's the best region. It's because it's uh, got the it's got the best lingo. It generated uh, this accent, which is accentless. Yeah, like I just I just sound like a standard human according to the fucked up society in which I live. Yeah, this is you. You have achieved average voice, as yes. so have I, I guess. Or you know, my, yeah, the, the way that I my voice I present myself is just entirely learned from media or pop culture. You right, know, right. The dominant voice. Yeah. Whereas if you're more like, I, I really want a regional accent, but I can't like consciously develop one at this point. It's too late. It's too yeah. late for us. I can't start going for that Ontario accent, you know, hacking a dart oh. down in the alleyway <laughs> by the, down by the Timmy's, you know, get a double you know, double from Timmy's. 
when I start doing vocal training and when I start really trying to feminize my voice, I'm going to throw in an accent. Also, why not? <laughs> you got to throw in a Chicago. You should throw in the big Chicago. Hey, accent. Chicago. Hey, the sa- let's go get some sausage and, and pilsners. Okay. <laughs> Bill- down at the old, you know, we're going to head on down to the uh, 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 Wrigley Field and we're going to get a little Wrigley. If you know what I mean, you're gonna <laughs> you get a little drunk. Yeah. Now we're now we're kind of in Minnesota, unfortunately. Yeah, yeah. I I I uh, go the the Ontario, uh, Illinois, north. Minnesota. Yeah. Going Very into funny. that Minnesota, nice. You ever talk like that for for a while? Just oh to yeah, yeah, sure. Watching a Fargo. Oh my god, I was actually thinking about the first season of the Fargo series. Mm-hmm. Have you seen it? I have seen I have I've seen three of the four seasons and I've liked got all of them to some degree. They're great. They're fucking great. I like who they got to to play Margie. In, wait, they got uh, someone's Margie in season one? It, wait, hold on. No, do I have there's that wrong? no Margie what, what, in season. Who's the the main? Who's the main character? It's, uh, the the main cop lady is uh, yeah. Allison Tolman, uh, but she's not yeah. Margie. She is the Margie That's, character. Yeah, uh, Molly Solverson. She's Molly Solverson. Molly. Yeah, I think this is like an organized crime type deal. (laughs) No, I love Alison Tolman. I I, she's she's great. great. I think she should be in more stuff. Billy Bob Thornton, excellent villain. Yeah, got great haircut. Excellent villain haircut. The the bull Bob Martin Freeman is a great callow asshole. Yeah, fucking great show. I got to rewatch that shit. Yeah, I whistle the theme song to myself all the time at, at night when I'm walking the dog because it's ominous. (laughs) <laughs> I used to, oh my God. So when I would be walking home from campus late at night through admittedly the safest streets in the entire city where I lived, uh, I used to put on fucking like ominous, scary fucking music to like scare myself walking through. You, you used know, to put on dark ambient music. In yeah, exactly. To, in order to get weirded <laughs> out by the urban. Yeah, get a little. Ooh, it's anonymous little streets and like the frat corner of the fucking like the only the danger was the other students. It yeah. Wasn't, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But you need to put on your theremin tapes in order for it to be spooky. <laughs> your your uh, on Martineau getting really into <laughs> on Martineau recently on Martineau because of uh, I actually did. I recently uh, listened to the Taranga Lila Symphony. Uh, mm. by Olivier Messiaen. They were playing that down at the uh, Toronto Symphony, and I went with my Can you have a bar of that? See if, I, see if I recognize it? Yeah, it's goes like... <laughs> it's, it's, yeah, very very modernist and noisy, but there yeah. I, I should be able to humbug, because there are, like, pretty melodic sections, a, a lot like of hooks. which... Yeah, they feature the Ande Martineau very heavily, um, and the Ande Martineau usually defines the melodies for a lot of the, the sections, because... Uh, it's a melodic instrument. You can only play mm. one note on it. Um, and it usually is doubled with the flute and it gives it a very Ond haunting, Martin. mysterious, ethereal French call. O-N-D, Martineau. O-N-D-E-S, Martineau. Uh, the other proponent of it is Johnny Greenwood from Radiohead uses. Okay. But he's sort of a weird No, I fuck with this. This looks dope. Yeah, yeah. Electronic instruments. Weirdo electronic instruments that you don't play by touching them. I was I was just thinking today that I was like, man, I got to get a 303. A 303? Wait, what's one? Yeah, of the Roland TB303 oh, the uh, Roland bass TB synthesizer. 303. Hell yeah, hell yeah. I, I got to make some fucking acid house with like, yeah! an ass Roland TB303 
You got to bring Acid House back. Yeah, RFTB Acid Crew, we'll call it. <laughs> like fucking CFAX Acid Crew. Uh, I, I, what is Acid House? Is it that they? I only know that one song from Kimmy Schmidt, which goes, "I'll beat that bitch with a bat." I'll beat that. Yeah, bitch yeah, with yeah, 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 yeah. Acid House. That that would be Acid House. Uh, anything that has, you know, that like real squelchy, yeah, wop, yeah, kind of baseline. That's a, that's a TB three hundred three. And then it uses a lot of those orchestra hits that we were talking about earlier, mm-hmm. along with like uh, piano riffs. And so, so uh, who's like, like the, the big floor. artist in the Acid House community? I'd have to I'd have to get a name because like all the dudes I'm into are like weird fucking German weird asses, like scientists <laughs> and uh, CFAX Acid Crew. Yeah, uh, Acid House Pioneers. Like who are we talking here? Who in the nineties? In New York. Uh, the music group Future pioneered the Acid House sound with their 1987 song Acid Tracks. All right. Uh, Ron Hardy debuted the song informally on live playlists until it got a formal release on vinyl via Larry Sherman's seminal Chicago label Tracks Records. So I need like okay. Tracks put out a bunch of that shit. So it does come from Chicago, where all the good electronic music comes from. Oh show. yeah, where like. And this is something I, I back when dubstep was big and I was DJing in clubs and I was I was sort of defined myself in opposition to the broham yeah. contingent of like dance music. I would be like, the only reason you're here is because gay dudes took meth and sucked each other off in a warehouse. That's the only reason you're fucking here. <laughs> yeah. And then get really weirded out and offended. And I'm like, uh, yeah, I like I like that back, homie. Yeah, the, those dominoes falling of gay, the little domino for this gay dude <laughs> sucking each other off and eventually leads to guys with upside down visors uh, uh, wilding out to Skrillex. Make me barf. Uh, there's there's a documentary, if you're at all interested in uh, uh, in sort of that era of, of dubstep, there's a documentary called All My Homies Hate Skrillex. <laughs> really and it's about it's about real last dubstep like uh scream and banga yeah the uk and, two-step like, where it came from yeah also go like this bruv guys that's like bruv governor oh yeah no i remember uh, i remember scream and bang i remember when it was uh, a dubstep was just getting popular around 2000 mala and the bug the bug and, like all these yeah there's our dubstep artist called the bug yeah all these weird uh, British people. Yeah, I'm gonna have to say I'm gonna fucking tweet that link at you right now. Yeah, yeah. What was the quality of like bro step that made it different? It seemed like in terms of like genre maximalism, it was much more maximalist than somebody. Somebody made this point to me a while ago. It was my homie Michael Bart. Shout out to DJ Barticus from uh, Athens, Ohio. Uh, he said that he observed these like dumbass teenager sitting in the pizza place where he was where he was working with their cell phone playing music for each other off the cell phone right Uh, yeah so now if you play the bug or scream or bang or any of this it's not going to sound like anything because there's no fucking bass response on these tiny little speakers right Mm -hmm. so it's like as music moved to these smaller and smaller sound systems where people are trying to play music for each other you needed to move the wobble all the fucking the movement in the melody of Mm -hmm. these like lfo synthesizers you had to move that into the mid-range that you could actually hear them on phones that people were showing their dumbass teenager friends 
Exactly. Or like headphones with bad bass response. Yeah, because that that is like what I remember from it—the tinny quality of it. Yes, I would say there's a real screamy kind of that shit. Yeah, I fucking. But that that like died in a year. It was oh, uh... it's, it lasted longer than that where I was from because <laughs> uh, I was trying to play in clubs. I was trying to get time slots to play. Like, admittedly somewhat immature electro house like it was like similar sort of sound palettes <laughs> but in a sort of in a uh in a in a structure that i was more uh into it was like a, as opposed to the like the 140 bpm slow break beat it was like mm-hmm. a fucking 128 130 uh four on the floor kind of like kick clap kind of thing, thing yeah, yeah. With, with with a lot of disco influence actually um i was briefly in a dj duo called disco disco uh-huh. We did that thing. There were two but, of them, uh, so there were two discos. Yes, exactly. Uh, we also had a side project called Sex, Sex, Yes, Yes. <laughs> That's pretty, pretty good. Yeah. Uh, uh, but yeah, I was trying to get time slots, and it, it took years for uh, Dubstep to finally die. And by that point, I had left the scene. Uh, but I feel like I had, I really got pushed out by like shitty 20-year-olds and snapbacks who would you know, play the, the worst Dubstep you've ever heard on a uh off of their laptop in ableton you know it's fine it's fine really there is no it's but people it 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 got to something deep in the core of people it did and it it brought people out and it got it sort of that moment in a lot of ways popularized electronic music and i am thankful for Mm -hmm. uh the the influence that that had because like you know all of the big acts right now it's basically house music with like a pop vocal anymore you know and so you know i'll take it all in all i'll take it yeah i i mean the one quality of dubstep that i did like even the bro step was it did feel like the music that people in a post-apocalyptic society would be listening to sure it's like bangalter said about um making you want to wanting to make you feel like you're in a movie yeah like that kind of, that kind yeah. of, you feel like you're part of some science fiction thing when you're, yeah. when you're in a club listening to that. It instantly brings you to that heightened place. But, uh, I mean, that's not, that's not usually why I listen to music. I think that's how most people probably listen to music is for mm. the atmospheric or for the enhancing quality of it. The fact that it, it colors your life in a way that makes you see like your everyday actions seem more significant because they're now being matched to a soundtrack. I think people yeah. like that sort of sense of importance that music can give everyday interaction. But I for me, though, you know, I, when I'm listening to music, I'm like a goddamn professor. I'm like a goddamn <laughs> scientist. I'm like, <laughs> I'm like a goddamn... No, but it really... I, I, I find it hard to like not listen to music on that level where I'm just picking out the individual parts and just thinking about how they work together in a very mechanical way. Ooh, that's um, a hell of a hook. Yeah, you know, the kind of pulling it apart and uh, appreciating the individual pieces for, for what they bring to the piece. Absolutely. Yeah, but I, I I feel like I I thought myself out of or like I would like to get back to the space of listening to music on a on a sensuous level. Uh, the, yeah. the composer Aaron Copeland theorized a three levels of listening to music, which was uh, sensuous, programmatic, and uh, musical. 
Uh, sensuous is you listen to music for the feeling. Programmatic is you listen to the music because it's telling a specific story, like uh, Peter and the Wolf or something. Uh, Although music, for some reason in this definition, like music with lyrics couldn't be considered programmatic. I don't know why. But you're just making shit up. Who cares? Yeah. Uh, And the musical level is when you're listening to it for the nuts and bolts. You're listening to it for the, uh, uh, you know, analyzing harmonies and analyzing uh, uh, chord progression and structure or lack thereof and rhythms. And, you know, that to me is always the, I, I, at this point, it's the, the way that I start listening to music first, you know, without that sensuous feeling. And, uh, and it's not better. It's not inherently better. It's just the way that I do it now. And I would like to get, how do you get back is my question. Like, how do you get back? Acid? Should I take acid? (laughs) (laughs) It don't hurt. Um, I, uh, for me, for a long time, I, I listened to music and evaluated it for its utility in a DJ set for a long time and uh it took it took years of just not practicing that to get out of that so i think maybe just recontextualizing it and like using music in a different way yeah i think that's a funny frame of mind is dj frame of mind when you're like choosing and discarding music based on how you think it will flow in a set yeah uh, which is always totally arbitrary. It's like your your taste is the only thing that is is really controlling that. There are no rules for what is a banger and what isn't. Exactly. It's, a, it's, what it make, it's what makes you feel that thing. It's that sensuous level. Yeah. Um, anything that makes me go and make that ooh, fucking ooh, yeah, like the, doing like, that face. the butthole tighten face. Yeah, the butthole. Yeah, the ooh, ooh. Yeah, yeah, that shit. That's the good shit. <laughs> what a hook. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, I wish I could get more into dance music as well. But the problem with dance music is you have to, I feel like, enjoy the setting of a club as well, which I never did. See, I I never like for years, for years and years. I mean, I was 13, right? I couldn't mm. go to a fucking club, but I was real into uh, uh, Daft Punk. I keep going back to him. Mm-hmm. Uh, but like those first two albums and then Human After All when that came out. I was obsessed and I would show my friends and they would be like, I don't get it. I'd be like, you're stupid. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> and uh, yeah, for years, even before I was able to get out to a club environment, I would listen to the stuff and just kind of bop along. I think it probably because I am also quite obsessed with video games. And so they mm. like, I would just put on a Daft Punk record and play a video game. Right. It has that sort, sort of, of because it's repetitive and sort of simplistic. It has that, uh, uh, I don't know, continuational quality, or it has that yeah, sort that, of almost that drive. Quality. Yeah, it's yeah. it's driving, but also somehow in the background as well, even yes. though the riffs are very strong and they stick out in your memory, primarily because they're repeated so much and they're usually mm-hmm. like fairly simple melodic ideas. Yeah. Um, I mean, that's what I love about Daft Punk and, you know, why I attribute their massive success is because they, they aren't afraid to get simple with it. Yeah. I think uh, that's the appeal is that sort of... Um, a Daft Punk song, it like never gets, it never turns into black MIDI. You know, you're never going to hear, you're never going to get a weird fucking prog rock section when you're listening yeah. to that. Um, the, the the worst thing that you have to fear is like slamming a uh, guitar solo in the middle of your disco track. Yeah. But um, I think even for like a, a casual listener of music, what is so great about it is it's very easy to pick out individual parts. And they feature, they, um, we actually, I, back in college, I worked with a guy named Max Boker and he and I uh, used to produce tunes together and we very specifically 
tried to emulate that style of like, okay, so we have this synth line, we have this bass line, we have these drums, we have this vocal sample. Mm -hmm. And we're going to allow each of these to breathe in their own time and feature each of them and then resynthesize them and like bring them all back together toward the end. Uh, you know who did that a lot, and you know who's uh, who I would consider to be the progenitor of that style and like a lot of dance music in general is uh, James Brown. That was sort of his. Thing. Oh sure, yeah. Well, and a lot of those give the little he give a little solo to the bass. He'd give a little solo to the guitar, but and so then you could hear as an audience member the individual parts, and then when you hear them being played together, you're like, ooh, oh yeah, ooh, that that's more slammer. pleasurable. Yeah. And uh, and a lot of those hooks, particularly a lot of like uh, like hip hop breaks and shit, comes from that era of like soul music and mm-hmm. shit. Yeah. So it all it all comes back to yellow. Yeah. And um, I think you know further to the point of maximalism, uh, oh, dominating you know our current music or our current media landscape is, uh, you know, I feel like you don't get stuff like that anymore in new music where you just have like a line devoted to a single instrument for a while, you know, where it mm-hmm. takes its time or it's very patient. I'm sure there's new music that's like that. I'm not I'm not well versed, but in terms of like the major pop that I'm seeing, it doesn't uh, it, it usually is more uh, focused on these big walls of noise as opposed to like little individual sections of quiet. Yeah. And it, that might be a genre dependent thing too. And there's like yeah. different wings of pop music and there's different kinds of K-pop and like, you know, mm-hmm. you get, you can get very granular with these things. Yeah. I, I wonder often what influence Spotify has particularly on my musical taste. Yeah. And like how much of a musical echo chamber I'm in. Cause like mm-hmm. I'll listen to discover weekly uh, playlist, but that is specifically curated to be things that I will like based on the other things that I already like. Mm-hmm. And so I don't I don't know I don't know if we're all being trapped in our own if we're being further atomized as opposed to the the sort of uh, uh, union creating nature of music where you, you're supposed to like oh yeah we're coming together over enjoying this song together I wonder if we're becoming even further atomized yeah because now it's about you know I'm enjoying this song in order to uh, because it enhances my life or it enhances my identity not because right. it's a communal experience I necessarily share with other people. Yeah. Um, but I sort of, there is a, another weird type of intimacy in that where it's like, there's a band and they only have one fan and it's you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Shouts out to Pomrad. I was in the top 1% of listeners of this weird uh, future funk artist named Pomrad. Pomrad. Um, Pomrad. Very good. Very good shit. Nights yeah. is, the, is the album. Very strong. I just, I yeah. think we... We still atomization, you know, we experience and we feel it a lot, but sometimes I think maybe it's not that our idea of like community is has been obliterated, it's just changed into something we don't really recognize yet, but will become more apparent, will become the structure of it will become more clear as we uh descend further into our digital selves. You know, Mm. I think uh, a version of an old style community will eventually reproduce itself with this new system because i think you know just things just react to each other right people people see one thing that someone in the past was doing and then they do the opposite to define themselves against it so yeah yeah, i i could see even though there are all these inexorable corporate forces pushing us apart uh, who knows i think we'll discover a way i think we'll discover a way to get back together somehow techno optimism i like it 
Yeah, that that has never led anyone down a terrible path before. <laughs> that has never. Yeah, that's it's not entirely built. But maybe not techno optimism so much as that. Just because we have a change. Anthro optimism, like we're yeah, in, humans yeah. will succeed in in developing community. Yeah, we will successfully fuse with the machines. No, we. I, I don't. Oh know. God, that's the, the machines. Machines! Machines! <laughs> Just Larry Fishburne yelling machines. Yeah, yeah. That's how I feel every day. You know, uh, assaulted on all sides. <laughs> Wake up, machine. look around me. Machines! 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 Go down to the bank. <laughs> machines! Yeah. See At a street ATM. sweeper. Yeah, yeah. Machines! Machines! Uh, go see the Phyrexians. Yep. Machines! Machines! Which I think is how we were originally talking about yep. that. They have, uh, the Fraxines have pivoted to perfection of flesh. Oh, okay. So they're into bio-organic technology. Exactly, exactly. Cool. Fewer artifact creatures coming out of Phyrexia these days. Oh, great. Uh, they're, now they're producing goo guys. Goo, gooman. Gooman. Are they, I'm more gooman than human at this point. <laughs> Gary, Gary Gooman, here in my goo. Here in my goo. I feel safest of all. I can goo anywhere. <laughs> I can goo Won't anything you... in goo. Yeah. Don't, 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 don't. All right. Uh, I think that's a good place to end it with Gary oh, yeah. Newman. Uh, Audrey, you got your plugs going on in there. Hell yeah. Uh, listener, you should uh, point your podcatcher over to a little program called Radio Free Tote Bag. It's a show about relationships I do with my co-host Donovan. Uh, we field people's relationship questions with a uh, heart of plum and dumbass bits. So uh, drop them by, drop your quandaries in our question box and we'll, we'll answer them for you. We'll try to help you out. It's a good time. Hell yeah. And we'll be linking to that in the description. Audrey, yeah, thank RFTB. you so much. Me. RFTB.me. RFTB.me. We'll say it again. RFTB.me. RFTB.me. Uh, that's, that's a good NPR voice. RFTB.me. That's, that's more pornography. That's a little yeah. Well, yeah. But, it, you know, that's what the show's about. You know, it's about relationships. Getting a little sweaty. Getting a little, getting a little sweaty, sweaty, okay? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, thank you so much for being <laughs> on the show, Audrey. Of course, thanks for having me. Oh, yeah. Uh, have a great night, everyone, and uh, we love you.